Welcome to the Change Africa podcast, where we bring you stories of inspiring individuals and thought leaders leading Africa's transformation. I'm your host, Isaac Kojodeno Abwa, and together with my co-host, Daniel Merki, we'll be exploring diverse perspectives, challenges, and opportunities for growth and development on the continent every week. Each episode, we delve into a different aspect of African life, featuring knowledgeable and engaging guests who provide unique insights and a fresh perspective on the issues affecting the continent across a wide range of topics from economics to culture and social issues. So whether you're already well-versed in African affairs or you're just starting to explore this fascinating and complex part of the world, the Change Africa podcast is an excellent resource for you. Sit back and enjoy another thought-provoking discussion that will inform and challenge you to expand your understanding of Africa. My guest today is Adi Awopisayo, who is the head of music, Sub-Saharan Africa, at YouTube, responsible for defining and executing the strategy for African music. In this role, she works with artists, labels, and music companies to grow their businesses on YouTube and forms partnerships with organizations to grow the music ecosystem in Africa. Previously, she led content partnerships for South Africa at YouTube, working with creators and media companies on the continent. In that role, she led the launch of initiatives such as the Africa Creator Week, YouTube Black Voices for Creators and Artists in Africa, an Africa Day concert that was hosted by Idris Elba. Adi is a media and tech professional with over 15 years of global experience working with various strategy, finance, content, and partnership roles across Africa, Europe, and North America. Adi is our prestigious guest for today on the Change Africa podcast, and we're very happy to have it. Welcome to the Change Africa podcast, Adi. How are you doing? I'm very well. Thank you for having me. How are you? I'm good. We've been trying to have this for a while now, but finally, uh, we have found time to do that. I want to start off with you personally, and now working at YouTube as head of music for South South Africa. Did you always want to work in music, or have you always been a fan of music? If you can recollect some of your earliest memories around your interest in music, that would be an interesting place to start. Did I always want to work in music? Absolutely not. I didn't even know there was a career in music outside of being an artist, being the singer. I mean, I knew the singer probably had like a support team. So, you know, someone that writes the songs and things like that. But I really didn't know much about the music industry. So, no, never thought about a career in music before. Even, you know, as a kid and, and even when I started my career, it was really until I got to YouTube. I always knew I wanted a career in the creative space once I kind of went through my what I call quarter life crisis doing finance and I was like uh, this thing is not for me um, and I discovered that I could have a career in the creative world and so I was figuring that out long story short I did start my career in the TV space I had done a couple of projects one with research on MTV Sugar another one with Discovery and finally, business development and, and strategy, helping a channel called TVC in Nigeria, trying to figure out how to position the, the channel, position the company. And we had started a paid TV platform too. So that was my very first full 
inroad into the, the media space and also just into content. But it was really when I got to YouTube working in the Africa creative space, in the Africa creator economy, that I also got introduced to music. And how I got introduced to music was a colleague of mine, Tuma Basa, I think about two or three months after I had started at YouTube, was like, Addy, it's so good. We have someone now looking after and I'm trying to imitate Tuma's voice, but I'm not getting it. Look it up to Nigeria. Uh, we really need to bring Leo to Nigeria. And I was like, who? It was like Leo and Leo Cohen. I was like, who's that? Because <laughs> I just thought it, so I didn't know who that was. He was like, oh, our, our global head of music. I'm like, oh, okay, we need to bring him to Nigeria for, he was like, you know, to come and see the scene, Afro beats and that and that. Like, can you make it happen? It's like, oh, okay, I guess I can try. I can try to make it happen. And I go to my husband, well, he was my boyfriend at the time, now husband. And I go to him and I was like, oh, I was talking with my colleagues, Tuma Basai. Everyone had said I should meet Tuma. I finally met him. And he's telling me we need to bring our global head of music to Nigeria. And can I make it happen? He's like, who's the global head of music? So I got some Leo Cohen. He was like, Leo Cohen? Like, wait, you know him? He's Dean Leo Cohen. I was like, what do you mean Dean Leo Cohen? Then we Google him and we see all these things with Leo and Jay-Z and like Death Jam. And I'm like, oh, I, I didn't know. No, he was like, what do you mean? Like, oh my God, you need to make that happen. And da, da, da. I was like, okay. Uh, and yeah, long story short, I basically planned a trip for Leo and five of our senior leadership team in the music, uh, on the music team to come to Nigeria. This was in 2019. Um, I think July 2019, and I basically planned what we called an immersion trip, a week for them to come to Nigeria and really immerse themselves in the music, the culture, the creativity, the the space. And it basically opened the door to a music career for me because I myself was being immersed in Afrobeats, in the space, in the sound, in the, the people, the culture. And I was just, I was blown away. I was like, oh my God, like, is this a career? Like people actually get paid to do this? Fun to get paid to basically like sit in a recording studio and listen to music and also like help artists like figure out how to use YouTube to reach fans and I was just like whoa okay this is super cool but I wasn't on the music team I was I was on the you know content team because the content team and the music team at, at YouTube are different the content team you know deals with like creators and media companies and everything else except music and so I just and, you know, I did that project because too bad asked and I thought it would be interesting to and, and a great opportunity too to give this, you know, our global head of music and this team a taste of Nigeria and our music scene. But I didn't think it was going to lead to me basically starting a career in, in the music space. But that's what it did, because after that trip. I started doing more and more projects on, on music, you know, and, and we can talk more about some of those projects. I started doing more and more. And then in 20, was it 2021? Getting lost on my timeline now. Basically, you know, YouTube decided, you know what, this Africa music scene is, is definitely taking off and we need someone focused on it full time. 
someone who's going to really help define our strategy, how we work with artists, how we really help play a role in the music scene. And yeah, I, a role opened up and I raised my hand and uh, I got it. And it was the first ever role. Uh, we've never really, we've never had a head of music for Sub-Saharan Africa. So yes, I took the role and basically had to figure out what to do with the role. And yeah, and that's, that's how I started. That's how I started a career. Uh, in music and you've been doing amazing we're going to talk about the nitty-gritty of your work and what you've done but let's cycle back um because you said you did a couple of tens while even you were in the content role which showed that you were really enthusiastic and you were definitely passionate about african music and creativity and when the role eventually came up it seemed like you were the best person you started an initiative to celebrate african music and culture at YouTube, also the first time that had ever happened. Can you tell us about the genesis of that? Okay, now I'm actually putting my, my timelines. Africa Day is going to help my timeline because we started Africa Day uh, in the thick of COVID, which was 2020, and I hadn't started my role in music then. I think my role in music started started November of, of 2021. Yes, so, you know, lockdown happened in the thick of COVID and it was Tuma again. I was talking with Tuma and we were just talking about, you know, just lockdown, everything happening. And I said, ah, it would be so cool to do something to raise funds. YouTube had become this destination for live shows where artists, different people in general, were actually doing a lot of things on live on YouTube. And there was a lot of consumption on YouTube. Fans, viewers were going on YouTube to consume all types of content. And we had had about two or three live concerts. And when I say concert, this was a concert in someone's home or in an isolated place, because again, no, no one was going to concert where they were raising funds um, for a particular COVID relief effort. Uh, so I thought, ah, that'd be so cool if we did something like that for Africa. Because also at the time, COVID hadn't really hit um, African countries. I think South Africa was the first country where it got really hit. And so there was not a lot of focus on on African countries in terms of COVID relief efforts. I thought, oh, it'd be so cool to to do something that can raise funds. And I thought, you know, how about we get everyone together and we can do a, a, a concert at home. And I think we, you know, kind of discussed that in one of our one-on-ones and it was kind of like, okay, let's, let's see. We'll, we'll see. You know, let's let's talk about it again. The other then maybe a week or so later, we were having a call with Angelique Hijo's team and they said, you know, Angelique is would love to, you know, do anything to support any efforts you guys are doing for Africa. If there's anything you want to do, just let her know. She really wants to contribute and, and give back. And we said, Oh, you know, we were thinking of doing this concert at home idea and you know, basically we're artists come together and give their fans concerts and we raise funds. And they say, oh, Angelique would be thrilled to do this. Like, you know, let let us know. And their, their reception was very positive. Like, oh, she would really love to do it. Just keep us posted, da, da, da. And that, I think, was a light bulb for, for me. And I was like, if Angelique, you know, there's just one artist that we're talking to is like, yes, let's do it. I'm down. How many more artists? will be more than willing to do this. So we went back to Tuma and said, I think we should do this. You know, see how many artists we can gather. And uh, basically they do a concert at home and we use it to raise funds. And he said, all right, Addy, let's, let's do it. Let's do it. 
the next day or a couple of days after, because uh, again, this thing was moving in lightning speed, I was talking to uh, my boss at the time and he was fairly new, Alex Okosi at YouTube. He had come from MTV and I was having a, another one-on-one with Alex and I said, Alex, you know, I have this idea of bringing artists together and just all of them doing a concert at home. We, you know, we put it together and, and put it on YouTube, find an artist that can put it on their channel or find a media partner, put it on their channel and use it to raise funds for COVID. And he said, Adi, I love the idea. Let's, let's do it. This is, this is what we do at MTV. Like, I, I love this idea. Let's do it. And long story short, just from those two or three conversations if we add Angelique's team, we basically went into execution gear. And from there, you know, Alex, we started looking for a media partner because at YouTube, we're a platform. So we enable the content to happen. We don't necessarily, you know, produce the content. So we had to find a media partner who believed in this and was willing to do this. And that's how we got with MTV. So we reached out to MTV. Obviously, Alex had just come from MTV. So he still had all those relationships. We reached out to them. We we told them about the idea. They loved it. They were on board. As soon as they were on board, we're like, let's go. (laughs) And from there, we had about four weeks to go before Africa Day. We said, let's go. Which day would we want to do this on? And we said, well, if we're bringing African creatives and, and artists together to basically spotlight the the continent but also raise funds there's no better day to do it than on africa day and we're like we have four weeks to go so let's go and that's how we got started with mtv on board with us on board we started reaching out to artists and we you know we have great relationships with a lot of artists on the continent we started reaching out we got Berna on board we got davido on board we got damo platinum on board and we just kept going we just kept reaching out to as many people as we could to see, you know, if they would love to join this cause, really, this initiative. And then we decided, oh, we need a host. <laughs> uh, so we need someone that's going to help host this this show because it was basically going to be mini concerts that were going to be put together as a show. And Alex um, has a relationship with Idris Elba. Idris Elba has been doing a lot in the African space, really about supporting the African cre- African creative space. He's from Sierra Leone, or I think his family, his parents are from Sierra Leone. So he has that tie to Africa. We reached out to him. He was on board and he had our very first Africa Day concert ready to go. And from, I think we had about 30 artists who came on board and did um, concerts. And then we also had creative voices. Um, so we had like just different people who lent their voice to to supporting the the cause? Yeah, who were not artists, right? So people who were just in the creative space in Africa and the diaspora. But yeah, that's that's how we came about the very first Africa Day concert in 2020, and that year it was called Africa Day Benefit Concert because they were raising funds for COVID, so we needed people to also know it was a it was a benefit concert, um, and. It went live on YouTube on MTV Africa's uh, YouTube channel, and and yeah, and we turned up turned on the donation button on YouTube because this that's one of the capabilities that we have, and people could actually donate while the concert was going live, and they could also donate on um, MTV had a website where people could also go donate. What I want to deep dive into 
was that trip with Leo Cohen and the team to Africa, which was an immersive learning experience for you as much as it was for the global YouTube leadership as well. What was that one insight or a couple of insights that you got from that experience? You know, obviously it was proved that there was a booming music scene and it was, it was taken up. It had probably already taken up. But personally for you, what did you learn that you probably didn't know before you went on that trip? It was a couple of things. Because we were going to be having a bunch of meetings with different labels and different players, I had to do quite a, you know, a bit of research on how African music was doing on YouTube. And so doing that research and just kind of digging into that information was enlightening. One of the things that was enlightening to me was how far reaching the music was going beyond the continent, right? Because you would think when you think of the top countries where African music is being consumed, you're probably thinking, oh, Nigeria or, you know, somewhere else, maybe Ghana, other countries within the continent. But it was interesting to see that it was outside the continent. So the US, UK, France, those were, you know, those were the places where African music was being consumed the most. And for me, that just spoke about how far reaching the song was going. One of the interesting conversations we had during the trip was with Yemi Alade's manager and, and Yemi Alade, we had breakfast with them and they were just telling us about how YouTube had, you know, played such a role in Yemi's career. And her manager was like, oh, you know, we pretty much use our YouTube analytics to determine where she goes on tour. And we were like, huh? You know, they're like, yeah, you know, you know, we just study her YouTube analytics and see where her songs are taking off or where fans are discovering her music. And then we decide, OK, let's let's go do a show there. So, for example, France was one of the countries that, you know, her one of her biggest singles. And also she has just like discovered a lot of fans they they saw that France was somewhere that was a top a top location for her music consumption, and they decided to reach out to a promoter there to say, "Hey, you know Yemi would love to come on uh do a show in in France. She doesn't speak French, right, so they weren't sure if how big the 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 show was going to be but but then they put on a show and it was a really big show because a lot of people turned up i mean so that for me was quite insightful about how far-reaching the music was going and how it can, because it was in these countries that are a bit more developed than our countries, the artists had an opportunity to earn more, right? Like they, they could put on shows in, in the U.S., in the U.K., in Germany, in France, and, and had an opportunity to earn. So that insight was something we were definitely sharing with other artists to say, be looking into consumption, be looking into like where your streams are taking off because that information is very helpful in how you plan where you go on tour and things like that. So that was one, how, how our music was taking off in the consumption. The second was how young the scene was going to be. So this was in 2019. At the time, it was probably, you know, when you think of like the top artists, you're thinking Whiskey, Davido, Burner, Tiwa, you know, you're, you're thinking the, the OGs. <laughs> but what we saw was like there was this buzzing young crop of 
artists that were hungry and, and kind of energized and, and coming up because in our sessions, a lot of them were in our like YouTube education sessions, a lot of them were in attendance. Another story that was is quite interesting is CK. CK and his manager came for our educational session. So we had sessions where we were just, you know, one-on-one teaching artists about YouTube and how to take advantage of YouTube and all the different features we have. Because a lot of people think you just upload a video and that's it. And we're like, mm-mm, there's so many things you can do on YouTube. You can go live. You can chat with your fans on, in comments. You can upload up updates um, in community. You can. So we were, you know, showing them all the things they can do. And, and if I had said CK to anyone in 2019, they probably would have said, who? But CK came. You know, he came. His badger came. They were hungry to learn, really taking notes. And then Love One Tintin blows up. When Love One Tintin blew off, a lot of people were going to his YouTube page to discover more. And at the time, he already knew how to engage with fans on YouTube. So for him, it was kind of a piece of cake to to engage with people on YouTube and keep that audience engaged and continue to come back. I remember we had a call, you know, with, with him and his manager. And I was like, oh, nice to meet you. And his manager was like, oh, we've met you before. Like, really? It's like, yeah, in 2019 during the... The YouTube immersion show, I mean, the YouTube immersion trip with um, Leo and everyone else, we came for the YouTube education session. It's like, oh, wow, you know. And he was like, yeah, it was me and a bunch of other people. And then obviously now today, when you think of the top artists, you're probably thinking CK, you know, Rema, Arista, Omale, you know, and all these people are so young um, now. So... That was another thing that I saw in 2019, like the industry was moving to become more youthful. And I think one last thing I would say is also how much opportunity there still is for development of the industry, right? Because there was a lot of focus on the artists. When we say the creative industry, we're not just talking about the talent. We're talking about everyone else that makes up the industry and everyone else that helps the talent to be successful because for the talent to be successful, they need all those people. And when the talent is successful, they need all those people to keep that success. Uh, and so that was something where, you know, and even to today, it's, it's getting better now. There are people now, you know, there are opportunities now for people to learn and understand how to be a manager. Because sometimes it's, you know, it's my friend. I'm, I want to start music. Okay, my friend would manage me. And management for them is, Okay, you're taking calls to book to book shows, but there's so much more to to management. Um, and that was actually why we created a, a program focused on supporting that ecosystem. But we can talk more about that. So how does things like um, Burner Boy's Madison Garden show that was streamed live on YouTube, a lot of people had access to that show. How does stuff like that come up? And how do you and your role encourage African artists specifically to be able to give their music to the audience, to, to, the, to the rest of the world? And why is it that other artists also don't do that? Because it would be great to see maybe other big artists on the continent, elsewhere, stream live shows on a platform like YouTube and get everyone to, to enjoy that vibrant experience, once in a lifetime experience sometimes. Right. So it's interesting because COVID in 2020 sort of opened the world of live. Live was already happening, but not at the scale it did um, when COVID happened, right? Because people could go 
to shows physically and 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 go experience that. But when that wasn't happening, even artists were like, "Oh, I want to connect with my fans. I'm hungry to connect with my fans. How do I do that?" Um, so that opened up the the, the world on of live on on YouTube, and we saw a lot more people doing YouTube live, but we also saw a lot more fans consuming um, consuming live. For the Burner Boy one specifically, I'm so proud and excited about that, about that project. Um, when Burner sold out the Madison Square Garden, which I think is the first, definitely the first Nigerian artist, not sure if he's the first African artist to do that. And again, you know, in our role as YouTube, like I said, we work with the labels, we work with the artists. So we're constantly um, speaking to them about what's going on in their orbit, in their, in their world. And, you know, his team said, oh, yes, it's, you know, he's going to do the MSG show. He sold out. Um, but they were like, you know what? We want a lot more people to experience this show, right? We don't want it to just be limited to the people who come, you know, to the venue. Obviously, the people who come to the venue, it's going to be such a different experience being there. But it's sold out, right? So if more people want to come, they can't come. So, but we want them to experience it. And we said, well, that's basically doing a live stream, live streaming the show so that anyone from anywhere in the world can access it and be a part of, of the show. And that's what we decided to do. So we worked with his team to basically bring that experience online on his YouTube channel so that people around the world can watch it. And that basically blew... <laughs> up the show online right because people in the in the venue um were experiencing the show but people offline you know people outside of the venue online were also experiencing the show and it was just a completely different what's the word completely different like game you know in terms of fans being able to experience an artist and not everyone being at the venue, I think the 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 live stream had oh, oh my god, probably almost up to a hundred thousand people streaming it. Um, I think now it's crossed a million a million views on his channel. And what's interesting was he actually performed his song Last Last, which he had not released, right? So he performed Last Last. And I remember being at the venue and people were kind of like nodding to the song and they're like, wait, what's this song? Like, what's going on? You know, same with, you know, people online. Um, but right when the song got released, people went back to the stream because they're like, wait a minute, isn't this the song he performed? So people went back to the stream to go and experience him performing it for the very first time even the people who were in the venue because obviously you can't go back to the venue and and go and go listen to it right so that was one of the things it also did people were able to go back and experience it and then his team did something brilliant too where they caught up um so the show was i think about an hour long but they also caught up the performances into smaller bites so last last also had its own cut right so each song i think was cut into smaller bite and when last last got released you would see a spike in that performance video for last last because again people went back to be like wait a minute this was the song he performed and they went back to experience it so so that was um such a beautiful experience for you know burner for his fans for his label and also a successful a successful one 
to your question about why a lot of artists don't do it on the continent, I think one of it is knowledge. You know, the knowledge that they this is possible, that they can do it. And that's something that we're trying to help close the gap and just providing as much resources and information that we can. But the second one is data. It's internet data. Like, you know, it's a lot of, um, what do they call it? Gigabytes. <laughs> so it takes a lot to stream, to stream on YouTube. And she are doing a show on the continent specific, you know, it's just, it's just hard from a, from an internet, internet consumption, even for, for fans to, to consume the live. I think on Burner's live, you would see comments like, oh, my data is about to finish. No, like, oh no, I want to continue watching. Oh, sorry, my data is finishing, you know, and it's just, that's just the reality. And it's, but it's also an opportunity because it, it tells you like once that is a problem that is solved on the continent again it just opens the world of of live and and online consumption online video consumption um on the on the continent so let's talk about your role in terms of strategy you are the first person that is filling this huge shoes that you fortuitously created <laughs> for yourself and now you have the opportunity to help in a very big way influence our culture our music our film etc that is hosted on no on the biggest streaming platform ever made in the universe what is the end goal for you and what are some of the things that you are putting in place or the things you've done maybe we've talked about some of the things you've already done like making this stream is a big thing but what are some of the things you are going to do to make sure that we're given more access to maybe funding maybe uh, more industry opportunities of learning from the best, more outreach, more access. Can you tell us more about what that looks like from you? I want to champion African music and culture. I want to spotlight it. I want to help create and nurture the industry that's developing. When I say the industry, like I was saying earlier, beyond just the talent and really make the creative industry an industry that is where, like, you know what? I, I want to be a stylist because that's actually a job. Like, that's the job. I want to be a writer because we're seeing it happen. A lot of people are stumbling into it with not a lot of training, but they're learning on the job, right? They're learning on the job. They're learning fast. I mean, Africans were very resilient, very smart. And so we figure things out. So for me, a lot of the things I've focused on have been on how do I help champion and spotlight what's going on on the continent, African music and culture? So those are things like the Burner MSG or the Whiskey O2 Live or, you know, Fireboy doing a concert um, from his home during, during COVID lockdown is giving people an opportunity to experience these artists different from their music videos because music videos can seem very sort of curated and structured and you know, scripted, but live, you know, yes, there is some, you know, structure to it, but it just presents a different um, experience for a fan to to get to know an artist. Uh, and then in terms of helping to develop the industry, there are a couple of things that we've done. One of the, the things that we've done at YouTube is we supported this program called the Music Business Academy which was started by um, Godwin Tom. And I remember meeting Godwin Tom and he was like, Addy, I focus on you know, the Music Business Academy to help develop the industry, to help provide an opportunity for people who want to be managers, people who want to be 
brand managers, people who want to understand the legal side of music business to come and have an, you know, there's, there's somewhere where they can learn that. He said, because for an artist to be successful, they need all these people around them. And there really isn't any opportunity for people to get that learning. So he's been doing the Music Business Academy for a couple of years. And when he, when I met him and he shared, you know, kind of what, what he was doing, I was like, you know what, we, we want to be a part of this because helping to build that industry is going to open up the potential of the creative industry and the content is going to provide more jobs. It's going to help boost our economy. So how do we create educational and learning opportunities for people to be able to do this right? Um, and so we uh, supported with, with funding and providing resourcing for him to be able to reach more people with the Music Business Academy, for more people to be, have access to be a part of the, the academy. Uh, another thing that, that we did was working with Afrochella to do our, uh, what do they call it, we, our production masterclass, right? So again, producers are so key to the success of an artist. And we wanted an opportunity for young people who are learning to be producers to learn from the OGs, you know, like SARS, Jews, Guilty Beats. So we created a, a production masterclass opportunity during Afrochella so that people can come um, and, and hear from these guys, hear their story, learn from them. How do they think? How do, how do they create their beats? And just ask them questions because a lot of the young people are, again, figuring it out themselves. So the opportunity to hear from someone who has already done that and you don't have to make the same mistakes that they've made was a golden, golden opportunity. And when we did that, the first time we did that was in 2021. And it was so successful that we did it again in 2022. And then in 2022, we decided to even expand it. And we took it to South Africa and did it with an organization in South Africa. Then took it to Nigeria and did it with SARS Academy. So SARS already has an academy where he helps provide training opportunities for young producers. So we partner with him to be able to do more of that. So that again, how do we open the access for more people to have this learning opportunity? So yeah, so definitely think for me is championing and spotlighting and help exporting the, the African music and culture, but also developing the industry on the continent so that we can realize fully, fully our potential. Because we're barely, we're barely there. We're, we're still scratching the surface. Like people think, oh, we've, we've arrived, we've blown. Mm -mm. It's still so much. Right now, it's just, it's just the tip of the iceberg. There's still so much more that's going to happen in the creative space. And it's so exciting. You have already highlighted some aspects of building an industry around music, such as education, the trainings you do, and also the data availability and cost. But I was wondering, maybe what are some other pillars that need to be developed in order to build a thriving industry around music? So education, we've talked about, I think, accessibility, which is the access to internet data. I think the other one is funding and financing. The startup ecosystem in Africa is also booming, right? Like we have, we now have how many companies that have reached a billion dollars in valuation, right? Paystack is one of those, you know, success stories of, of a startup in Africa that has you know, exited and, and has a success story. But when people are talking about startups, they're really talking most times about, oh, fintech or tech. Forgetting that a lot of these content creators are startups. A lot of these artists 
and um, the independent music labels are also startups. Those are businesses that people can invest in and people can realize returns the same way they, they think of fintech, the same way they think of health tech startups. So I think financing and having investors put in funding to allow these creatives to be able to do more. Because again, you know, just beyond just even artists, when we think about content creators, a lot of them are bootstrapping and figuring out themselves. But if they had some investment, they can take their creativity to another level in terms of what they're able to achieve. So I think financing is is definitely a piece that will help the industry if people start to see the creative industry in Africa as an investment opportunity. It is fascinating how you talk about the development of an ecosystem, and it is a reoccurring theme in this season of the Change Africa podcast. Across different industries and different guests, we always keep having that topic around developing the ecosystem and developing industries. And um, I'm wondering now specifically with regards to the music industry, how do the different hotspots on the continent, let's say like Lagos, Nigeria, and maybe others where the music industry is booming, connect? And how does like the ecosystem aid the, the development of individual artists? When you say hotspots, you mean like physical places where creatives or think I mean physical spaces create opportunities for well maybe collaboration and enable maybe can enable more creativity. So kind of like a, a workspace for creators to go. I think in Nigeria there are a couple of places that cater to creators. So for instance, I think it this was in twenty that in twenty nineteen and twenty twenty. My former role at YouTube when I was working with creators, we worked on we created something called a YouTube bootcamp, um, which was again focusing on helping to create an opportunity for these creators to come and learn. So it was a one week um bootcamp training. And one of the spaces we use is Pop Central. So Pop Central has, it's, it's a TV station, but they, because they're catered to youth, they have this space where people can come and just mingle and create, create content. Um, you know, it has cameras, they have internet access. And because, going back to financing, because these creators don't have full access to these resources, spaces like that, they help kind of take out that um, barrier, right? Being able to go to a space and they have very fast Wi-Fi and you can upload your your video very quickly. I mean, a lot of creators, um, you know, when you talk to them, talk about how because of the, the data um, restrictions, they will have to upload their video overnight. You know, they'll start uploading and by the next morning, the, the upload will have completed. Sometimes maybe the internet breaks. By the time they wake up, the upload like was cut. They have to do that cycle again. So going to a space that kind of helps take down all that barrier is it's very helpful. Um, but I think ultimately it's it. Those spaces are great, but ultimately it's like just going to the root of the issue. Like, okay, why do we have those spaces? Collaboration is great. So being able to be in a, 
a space together with other creatives helps spur ideas and your creativity. But if you're going there because of access to resources, then how do we fix that? from kind of the root cause. So going back to providing the financing to be able to have uh, a creator have access to cameras and all these things that they need. Or, you know, when it comes to the internet data, the telcos, this is where the telcos are very powerful, <laughs> right? Because they help control the, the cost and the accessibility and all of that. Um, working with the telcos to help bring down the barrier to, to, to access so that you don't necessarily have to go because, God forbid, we have another COVID and we have another lockdown. And people are back into their homes and not able to go to those um, kind of physical spaces. So how do we tr treat the root causes of these, of these issues so that, again, the, the industry can really um, realize its full potential? So on financing, we have the YouTube Black Creators Fund. You already used to work with creators, so... Maybe you can shed more insights around that. I know that a lot of Nigerians, Kenyan, and South African artists were part of the initial class of the fund. And that is great for creators in general. But because we're speaking more about music today, there isn't a fund like that, I think, for African artists or Black artists in general. Is YouTube ever going to do that? Or does it have aspiration to do that? Or is it just concerned with the training and the resources that is provided otherwise. But is there a potential to start something like a creators fund for artists specifically, Black artists, African artists? So the YouTube Black Voices Fund is actually for creators, artists, and songwriters. But because the number of creators is a lot, so <laughs> most people probably always think it's just for it's just for creators. So the YouTube Black Voices um, is for creators, artists, and songwriters. And it, you know, just like you said, one of the things it provides is funding um, to support these creatives. So when I say creatives, I'm roping all of them into one, right? The creators, the artists, the songwriters provide them funding to, again, be able to just help contribute to whatever resourcing um, that they need. So for our first class for Africa, we had Sorti Soul from Kenya. We had Fireboy DNL, Nigeria. Let me see if I can remember. I think, was it Elaine from South Africa? I'm trying to think if there was someone else. Um, and I think for the first class, we actually did have a songwriting class um, for the first class. And then for the second class, we had a songwriting class. And we had P Prime, um, who is a young, buzzing producer who actually came out of the SARS Academy. And, and Prime has produced some of the biggest hits in, in Nigeria. And, you know, I love Prime's story because I, I didn't really know him before the, the UT Black Voices Fund, but I knew his songs without knowing that he was the producer of the song. Like, I would sing his song. And when he applied for for the UT Black Voices Fund, and I saw, you know, I was, the songs that, you know, because one of the applications would say, okay, what songs have you, have you produced? I was like, oh, wow. Like, who's this person that has produced some of these big hits? And we don't even really know them because, again, the songwriters, the producers are in the background, which is fine. Some of them want to be in the background. But what we wanted to do was celebrate them, was spotlight them, was provide them resources to be able to do more. So working with Prime um, and helping him start his own YouTube channel to be able to share his own, you know, stories and share his own content. Because, again, people think of YouTube as I'm just uploading 
a music video. But as a producer, you can upload you can upload videos about how you create beats. You can upload videos about you being on tour, about you working with an artist. You can upload so many things that gives fans an insight into who you are. Um, so, so you know, we, we worked with songwriters to do that. So, yeah, to answer your question point blank, we, we had the fund was for creators, artists and songwriters. And because, you know, we knew that these creatives we wanted, wanted to be able to support them. Uh, but beyond funding, I mean, it also created an opportunity for them to collaborate um, together. I think the creators, for instance, there were a lot of trainings for them to meet uh, virtually even for the artists and their teams, mainly for the teams of the artists. Um, some artists would join the training sessions, but really, again, because it's the team around them that is really doing all the background work to enable the artists, we wanted to make sure that those people had the resources to be able to do that effectively. You are a woman who is occupying a huge space for creatives, musicians on the continent. And I see that you have ventured into curation yourself. You have the support woman by woman playlist. Can you just talk about how your role interfaces with just generally women on the continent who are creators, who are musicians, and how you purposefully want to help grow their apps and grow their influence on the platform like YouTube? I think in general, just Africa, I feel like we've always been such a male-dominated continent. Um, and I don't know if it's, I think it, it has more to do with our culture. You know, it's a very, it's, it's changing and has changed significantly. But obviously we still a lot more change to come or a lot more improvement to come. And so because of that, there hasn't been a lot of opportunities for women to celebrate themselves or, or showcase themselves. Um, and you see it in pretty much uh, almost uh, most of the industries um, and in the creative industry. And, you know, I, I was speaking with um, someone and, and we said, you know, when you think about some of the top artists, back in the days, again, it's changing now with this young creatives that are coming up. And so that's why I always say there's still so much more to happen. When you think about them, when you mention the top artists, maybe your first five will be male before you even think about a female artist. But now, when you think about the top artists, you probably mention one or two females in there, right? There's probably Thames, there's Iris Star, there's Amoray, there's Jackie. Like, there's more and more of them coming up, which is exciting um, to see. And so providing, I think one thing digital and online platforms have done is to provide an opportunity for women to showcase themselves, celebrate themselves without feeling that, like they're, they're gatekeepers, you know, because before digital, it was probably radio station airplays, right? And, you know, you had to, there was someone that you had to plead to who happened, would most likely would probably be a male um, to play your music so that your music could reach fans. Or even on TV, there was a programmer who was programming what music videos were getting played, who maybe potentially was probably male again, right? But now on digital, you don't have to beg anyone. You just have to have your own channel and upload your own video and upload, you know, whatever you want to say yourself. So online platforms have created this empowerment and then empowered women to really showcase themselves and and enable them to, to be the controllers of their own narrative um, without having all these gatekeepers. And I think that is 
what YouTube, you know, YouTube is a, is a free platform, it's an open platform. You can go and have your own YouTube channel and upload anything that you want to upload. And Jackie, for instance, is one of the artists in our Black Voices Fund. And one of the ways we've worked with her is being able to showcase herself outside of her music videos um, using YouTube Shorts. So YouTube Shorts is short, uh, short videos um, that fans can use to get to know you. So it's you on tour, it's you in the studio, it's you on the road. It's you getting ready for an award show, you, know, you being on set, all these things that they won't get to see. So she started posting more of that, more of that content. And fans were loving it. They were loving being able to see her outside of, you know, her typical um, uh, music video, being able to see her get ready for a big show in, in the UK. And so, yeah, this, this the platform just creates, has created a has become an enabler um, to empower empower women. One of the things we've also done is we worked with an initiative called Nala Initiative um, with Bright Swan in Nigeria um, to visit, to create an opportunity for song female songwriters and producers. Because again, when you look at the songwriting and producing space, if you count the top five producers, most of them will likely be male. And so how do we create an opportunity for more female songwriters and producers to one, educate themselves, but two, create opportunities for them to have these collaborative opportunities. Another thing we did was Beyond the Artist was a songwriting camp that we did in Ghana um, during the um, Global Citizen Weekend, which was so amazing. We had 10 female songwriters from across the continent, Duni from Nigeria, came together to basically collaborate. We had Thames and Jackie as the artists that they were creating um, songs um, songs for, you know, but a lot of people don't know about them. Um, so bringing them together, oh my God, like being in a space with other female songwriters was so empowering to them. You know, it was so encouraging to know that, okay, it's not just them. You know, there's so many people in this space and they can support each other. In what areas do you want to see more funding? Investing in production studios because filmmaking, again, with the likes of streaming platforms, and I'm currently in the States, and there's just so many streaming, but those streaming platforms need content, right? They need content for people to be able to pay a subscription. Once, again, internet is no longer a barrier on the continent, it's so much is going to open up, right? You're going to see a lot more streaming platforms. Traditional TV, I mean, traditional TV and cable here is still in the in the US is still there. But like, if you go to a to an average home, they probably have three or four streaming platforms in addition to their cable TV. Or maybe they don't have cable TV. And if they don't have cable TV, they likely have five, six, you know, subscription to streaming platforms. And... And so on the continent where internet is no longer a barrier, you're going to see us moving a lot more to streaming and those platforms are going to need content. And Africans, we love our own stories just the same way we love our music. So there's going to be um, demand for content and we're going to need production houses that can, that can supply that content. Right now, we don't, you know, we 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 don't have um what's the word enough production houses but that's also because maybe the demand just hasn't created that 
the demand hasn't created the need for us to have like a whole lot um, of production houses, but it's coming up. And so that's probably one space that I'm like, because of what's happening in the industry, because of the the direction that the industry is going, we're going to need more stories. We're going to be, need more content. So how do we enable, you know, the production houses to deliver on that? Just supply and demand thing. Uh, we can talk about music and creators, etc., and not talk about podcasting because we are on a podcast platform. <laughs> what are your views on how um, the space of podcasting really is going to blow up, especially with what we are trying to do, which is make sure we're sharing expert knowledge and build a thought leadership platform where instead of you with having to deal with your exciting new baby challenges, and maybe write a long articles. You can come share your insights without having to, you know, go through the pain of, say, writing a lot of pages or even writing a book. Because what I see is that most of the people that come on this podcast potentially are people that should be writing books and keeping their knowledge on these platforms. But the barrier to entry is shortened and much, much lower if you can just pick up your phone and record a conversation where you can be yourself and delve into your work and give insights that are as important as as great as it could probably be in in, in a long-form written book, some articles somewhere. What do you think about that space of podcasting and how it's going to blow up in the next um, few years? And what is, again, YouTube also thinking along that side and what is it doing to make sure that it can support creators in that space? Yeah, so for podcasting, I mean... In it, uh, in early days, YouTube, there was a lot of focus on kind of the video content, less on audio podcasts. But what we started seeing was people were posting video podcasts, <laughs> right? There was podcasting. It was just also with, with visuals. And so because of that, we started focusing a lot on enabling and also supporting podcasters because there's also a lot of consumption. On the continent, one of the areas of podcasting that I've seen taking off is in sports. And um, there's a lot of podcasts that focuses on on sports and and just there's um oh, I'm trying to remember the guy's channel. Um I think it's called Football Tribe, where he basically just interviews people um, during or and after games, uh, after like football matches and interviews them, they react to the game. So sports is definitely an area that I've seen, but also just regular banter um, and also, in you know, knowledge sharing, like like what you guys are doing, because people are hungry to learn, are hungry for knowledge, are seeking out um, how to educate themselves. They are looking for opportunities like this to just learn from other people um, and, and listen to other people. So knowledge um, sharing podcasts is also a space that we're seeing take off. But like I said, banter, because we like gist and we like, you know, I, I don't know. I don't think this is an English word. I think it's a Yoruba word. It's like gossip. Again, I think in general, you're seeing also more video um, podcasts. You're seeing more visual podcast and everything at the end of the day when it comes to digital consumption on the continent I think for me again it's just once internet is no longer a barrier we're going to see a boom 
in online consumption, whether that's video, whether that's audio, there's going to be a boom. I mean, on a lighter note, I want to know, because we're just speaking around some of the songs you listen to, what is your favorite? When one had my baby, I, I didn't get to listen to as much song as I used to listen to before I had my baby, just because of, well, new motherhood, new parenthood. And when I got back to the scene of like, oh my God, I need to get back to listening to music. One song that stuck with me was uh, People, I think Libiana, Li- Li- is that how to say her name? She's a Cameroonian artist. And the song, there's a part of the song that I was like, oh, this song sticks with me. It goes like, I've been drinking more alcohol for the past five days. Did you check on me? And I'm listening to that song and I'm like, well, I'm not drinking alcohol right now. But no one's checking on me. Like, <laughs> uh, this motherhood is killing me. Um, and so I went on IG and I went to like type it in my story. Like, I've been drinking more alcohol. I wrote the lyrics. Did you check on me? And then people started hitting me up with my DM. Adi. Are you okay? <laughs> I was like, I was like, I had to, I had to type again to say, actually, guys, I am not drinking alcohol, I am not smoking banga, but I'm just. It was more like I've been going through it. <laughs> like I've been going through issue with this motherhood. Like it's 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 whooped me. Um, you know. So so yeah, that was that was that's definitely one song that I've enjoyed. Yeah. Actually, she's a Cameroonian artist, which is, you know, which is great because sometimes people always think of Afrobeats as just like Nigeria. But there's so much more that's happening on the continent, so much more music and artists that are coming out of, of the continent. I mean, kudos, obviously, to the Nigerian artists that are really pushing it and, and doing it for the continent. Um, and I think one beautiful thing that music has done for the continent is it has brought us together it has united us so a win for a nigerian artist or a win you know for a Ghanaian or cameroonian artist is a win for the continent right like people are like yes that's you know an african artist kudos um but yeah there's just so much more happening on the continent outside of of nigeria so it's always great to to see other artists in other countries be celebrated. Yeah. And so when is your YouTube channel coming out featuring your child and the challenges and um, interesting long nights that you are having? <laughs> soon, soon come. Watch this space very soon. I have so many stories already. It's, and actually, that was actually how I was learning. I was going online and being like, okay, come on. I'm not the one, only one going through this. Like, there should be others. There should be. And I've been learning a lot from online and just, you know, what other moms are going through or, or you know, a mom who already has five kids and has gone through the the stages of newborn five times and sharing her knowledge. So, yeah. Definitely. Thank you very much, Adi, for joining us. So we have been joined on this excited conversation around African music and its boom with the head of music, Sub-Saharan Africa, Adi Awufisayo, uh, who's been an amazing guest. Um, thank you very much for sharing all the knowledge. And we hope to catch up some time at some concert. Yes, let's do it. Thank you so much. I haven't missed it. It's been six months of missing concerts. I cannot wait to get back. Thank you sure, guys so sure. much. Thank you.
The Change Africa podcast is produced by Isaac Abwa and Daniel Murky. It is executive produced by Tim Yarstratus. The theme music and digital production is by Daniel Quay and graphic design by Andrew Ayi. This podcast is a production of Nexa Media. Oh, 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 o